Born in Germany in 1992, Bobby Thompson grew up in a small town in Virginia. He is 6 feet 1 inch tall. He weighs 355 pounds. He has 51,000 followers on Instagram. His nickname is The American Nightmare. At a weightlifting competition in April 2023, Bobby Thompson placed right behind Pavlo Kordiaka of Ukraine and Tom Stoltman of the United Kingdom, making Bobby Thompson the world's third strongest man. And this is the third strongest podcast. I've had the four side music stuck in my head all week. It's good music. Which now, version? From the game? I, yeah. Yeah. I tried to say on some episode that the Foresight remi- music was a remix of a different tone that I thought was a different tune that I thought was in Mother. But I was thinking about how this Foresight music comes back at the end of the game when you're a baby. You're a baby house. It's also like the wandering around post-game music, isn't it? Oh, that must be what I'm thinking. Yeah. No, you're you're right. What's... It might also show up in some other stuff. It just ends up being an uh... omnipresent theme, kind of. Yeah. So isn't it kind of strange that the foresight, like, it gets set up as the music of the big city, and then it ends up having this kind of much more central role as the post-game theme? I end up thinking of it very geographically hmm. in that I think we talked about on an episode one of the episodes we did recently because I heard it when I was listening to it about how like these first four towns sell the idea of Eagle Land as a place yeah and we're gonna spend a bunch of time here over the next episodes but past now, once we get past this point, we're going to be going to more far-flung locales. And so maybe it's circling back and using that as the central theme of, like, Eagleland? Hmm. Or, like, re- returning to normalcy at, when you get towards the end of the game? Yeah. That's cool. That makes sense. That's cool. When I think of the Foresight the- music, I was thinking of the Melee version. Uh, oh, okay. With the cool guitar. I always think, or like I have, I I ended up making myself think, and maybe this is a cool thing to think, or maybe not, that the kind of simple music box version of this tune seems more like the original composition, and the music that plays in Foreside seems like a jazz rearrangement of that. Yeah. 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 And so there's a sense in which you might be able to think of, although it's like chronologically incorrect, uh, the Foreside theme is trying to recontextualize that simpler, sweeter version and say something with that. Could it be? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we better analyze music more later, because also the credits theme, Good Friends, Bad Friends, has a lot to say about it. Hmm. Has a lot to say about it. And so we enter Town of Foreside, but it is City of Foreside. It is the big city. 
the big banana if you believe is that the, what they call it if you believe the player's guide <laughs> oh yeah uh yeah it's like a big there's a bunch of high high rises and implications of it being this huge city yeah it feels like a big city the hospital's they really spacious really good job they- of you know drawing things differently yeah changing the perspective makes it immediately seem like a a bigger place somehow it's impressive it's like seemingly on an island like manhattan Hmm. yeah kind of uh i like the big tall buildings because you end up like having areas where you're walking behind them awkwardly and (laughs) it can be a little claustrophobic in a way that's like evocative yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there's um there's a lot of different elements in foreside and it kind of seems like uh you know having been to the big city and what were the top five things you noticed about being (laughs) there uh string those into a story or a series of weird episodes, as we shall see. Mm. Unfortunately, um, and I'm not sure if this is on purpose, and I just now I'm thinking maybe it could be on purpose, but Forside doesn't have a lot of walk into people's houses and chat with them about whatever happens to be on their mind. Mm, that's true. There are plenty of people to talk to in Forside, but... Unlike people in the previous towns, they all basically have one or two topics to give exposition about. Yeah. There is the fact that Monotoli runs the town, and there's the mm-hmm. fact that the Runaway Five are in town, and there's the fact that the department store is closed, and there's precious few people who want to talk about anything else. Well, well they don't like oh go ahead sorry that's how i find it in a big city people don't really want to they don't want you walking into their houses as much as in the country uh <laughs> i don't know how much they want you walking in their houses in the country i guess, but sure. I guess good point good point well it's like an idealized version of it you know that's small town america versus the big city well <laughs> that's the thing this is not an idealized version of the big city no, it's a crime-ridden city. Well, After doing idealized versions of several small towns, you could make an idealized big city, and that was not the choice. Although, Ona in particular is not really an idealized small town. No. Yeah, all the towns have their problems. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, everybody... What do we have to do first? Well, we gotta go around and look at everything. I guess yeah, see so. the sights. Go to the dinosaur museum. There's a dinosaur museum. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> That's rad. The the music in the museum. Have we? Oh, it's also in the uh, Professor Andonitz's laboratory. Oh, that's where sure. it was. My fave song. Maybe. It's really nice. I could. I wonder what my favorite song in this game is. I'd have to think about it. It might be this. I know what it is. What mine is. What? It's the bus, like we talked oh, about. Oh, right, right, right. That's a good one. Hmm. Uh, 
Everybody here is obsessed with talking about Monotoli, who has a building. I want to go back to the museum for just a second. Okay. The depiction of the museum as being just a place where there's a big skeleton and a couple of people looking at it and basically a huge empty room is an idealized version of a natural history museum that like is stuck in my brain as this is what a museum should be like there should be <laughs> nobody else there and just one exhibition and you just see that one thing uh not so much that but like the the music contributes to my idea of a museum as it should be this like pristine mm. supremely relaxing place yeah that makes sense it almost sounds like i i mistook it the music for the um your sanctuary music like it sounds oh, yeah? as peaceful as that well my sanctuaries are museums fair that's that's cool i will evaluate that after the show and we'll find out if that's true anyway you did want to talk about how everybody wants to talk about Geldegard Monotoly. Is it Geldegard? <laughs> Geldegard? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, it's, it's always funny to me that, like, as a kid, I thought Monotoly was the mayor. But he's not mm, the mayor. Yeah. He's just a guy with a lot of influence and power who, according to the various people you can talk to that only have one thing to say, used to be a real estate agent. But then hit it big and also made a deal with an evil entity in exchange for power. And also he controls the police force now. That seems to be the yeah. the full picture of everything at this point. That is a good summary of the clues. Mm -hmm. Another clue is that he has been seen hanging around Jackie's Cafe. You know, that really unpopular place. Well, we'll have to. There's a guy who says, you know, that really unpopular place. <laughs> like, oh, of course, everyone knows the really unpopular place. Uh, I should point out also, we have a bunch of enemies in the town that are kind of upgraded versions of enemies we saw in Tucson. Mm. Uh, but also the mad taxi is here. Yeah. Is that is this the first like inanimate? Well, I guess we also have robos. And, well, it just, it surprised me to see a taxi because you, you, you see yeah. cars in other towns. They're just going to be traffic. And then in this town, the taxis go after you. Taxis are actually after you. You can't get um, the signs to run after. The signs aren't enemies here yet, right? Not yet. I, think, I thought they okay. were. Not yet. Soon. Okay. I think. I'm pretty sure that's not Not yet. <laughs> I did not run into them this time. I think that's in a Me neither. future area. Mm. Stay tuned, I thought, listener. I thought I ran into one. <laughs> oh, maybe you did, and I could be wrong. I could look it up. Stand by. Um, Wikibound says they're, they're here. Okay, then I was wrong. I'm looking at the spawn map. Hold on. Computer, <laughs> I, I think I only saw one, though. Yeah. Craze signs are one of the things that can spawn up here in the northeast corner. I thought they were only in summers. Okay, cool. 
they Another are inanimate rarer enemy. spawns than the taxis and uh, annoying revelers. It's cute. But that... They're equally as rare as the extra cranky ladies on those spawn points. Oh, it, it's cute that it says Ohio and the O's are I's. That's very cute. Oh, it is cute. Uh... Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple quick hits. There's a building here with a little placard outside that says planning meeting for Earthbound 2 is here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's cute. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, There's a bakery here, which is like not a particularly ornate building in the way that a lot of the other buildings in town are, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but it has a couple amazing jokes packed into it. Mm-hmm. The, there's a sign outside that has first floor foresight bakery and then second floor second floor of the bakery <laughs> which is Very good an incredibly good understated joke mm-hmm. you can walk inside and there's a lady here who will trash talk the bread here calling it plain and nondescript and then will reveal that she actually owns the place gasp good one and then upstairs is Penatella Giovanni, who we were previously introduced to in the Dusty uh, Dunes yes. Desert as the fellow what lost his contact lens. <laughs> um, the joke being that his family keeps things forever. Yeah, it was like his grandmother's contact lens. Yeah, that is really odd. <laughs> it's really good. And so in return for returning that he gives you a pair of dirty socks but they're not that dirty they've only been worn once (laughs) since the last wash it's a lot yeah the the fact that they've only been worn once but then the joke is that that last wash was five or six years ago or something so i'm not a socks expert but if you wore a pair of socks once and then you left them alone for several years, mm. would they become increasingly disgusting? Potentially. I guess it depends on like what you were doing when you wore them. Yeah, true. Uh, Penatella also, if you talk to him before yes. you do any of this, he has the yes. incredible line. Amazing. Where he says, I was just thinking... And then he puts in quotes, there's a tightwad born every minute. <laughs> ah. um, awesome. I, this whole <laughs> thing is, it's 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 crazy to me because bakeries in this game are kind of not important. A lot of towns have them, but like, except for that string of time where you're getting croissants, you really never spend much time in bakeries. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, the bakery is kind of a vestige. It's like a vestigial store mm-hmm. that they're going to use to fill space in Foreside. And so what do you do to make that interesting in a town where it's no longer a really needed structure? And the answer mm-hmm. is to pack in a zillion jokes. Into it. <laughs> it works. Yes. Uh, it's fantastic. When yeah. I played this game as a kid... I like there's a tight wad born every minute seems like such a it's a well it seems like a non sequitur it seems like just a very 
innocent, well, not exactly innocent, but like dull musing. Um, and then when you get older, you find out that there's a saying, there's a sucker born every minute. And you're like, oh, Earthbound was doing like a play on that that makes it almost a weaker joke, I think. Mm. Yeah, a weaker joke than if he's just saying some random thing that sprung to mind. Um, but as, this is what? As someone that frequently like misquotes sayings and gets words like wrong and does a lot of malapropisms, I really like the idea of like taking a common saying and just replacing a word in it and acting as if that's the real thing. Hmm. Mm. No, Penitella Giovanni, also fantastic name. Um, an immortal character, probably one of the top 50 NBCs in this game. It's great when like a not like a not important NBC gets a full name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't all have full names because then it would lose its meaning, like its significance. But just having a couple guys that you're like, oh, this person has an entire full name is like compelling. Here's what I've done with games that I've made. Make sure that you know everybody's full name before you start writing. And then uh, only use the full names if it comes up for a good reason. And then I don't know if that's satisfying for the player, but like for me it's like yeah yeah it's a last name of course there's a last mm-hmm. name and i feel very good about it myself um speaking of last names i don't did, maybe we talked about this before but who thinks that paula's last name is polestar i mean i'll run with that i never thought about her last name that is fanon in certain circles yeah which is like, sure, okay, that's a perfectly it's better acceptable... than nothing. Yeah, it it fits. It's I, a cool name. It's like how some people rolled with Ness Franklin for some reason. Huh. That doesn't. That does not sit as well with me. No. I um, always I thought since like in Japanese, Paula and Pole Star sound similar. I thought it was like a play on her first name. Oh. <laughs> like Pola. And so, wait, so is her last name Star? Oh, I don't know. That'd be cool. I'm getting a, I think I like this better that the Polestar Preschool is <laughs> named after Paula specifically. It's the Paula Star Preschool. Canon. This is a good podcast. Yeah. This so nobody fun. ever says people's last names, huh? These kids. No. Well, hmm. Jeff does. Oh, Jeff does. He gets a last name because his father doesn't have a first name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Transitive property. <laughs> Very logical. Math. Okay, I've got so. One other anywhere diversion. Else? Yeah. Yeah. If you go way up to like the far back reaches of Foresight, there's a guy mm-hmm. standing in what passes for an alley <laughs> who is selling like junk. Um, yeah, it's a bunch of like uh, stuff that Jeff uses, like a bunch of stuff he can repair, right? Mm. Uh, at least that. I think there might be also be like insecticide spray or that kind of thing. Yeah. Water. Well, he's here selling his wares. 
and I never buy anything from him, but if you go talk to him and then walk away, uh, he says, Mod boy jerk, you can't do me like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which well. is like, he, he's straight out of uh, that scene from Star Trek Four. It's that guy. <laughs> On the bus with the... Anyways. I thought you were going to say it's straight out of Repo Man for some reason. I can't remember what movie Repo Man is all of a sudden. That guy has the broken gadget, which Jeff, at least so far for me, is not smart enough to fix yet. And I find that referring to a guide that says how much IQ Jeff needs to fix any given thing is really helping me out because I don't want to be carrying around a broken thing that Jeff will be able to fix in five or six levels. I've just but stopped. when he gets enough IQ, he'll come back. Well, he'll come back and buy this from the cool punk junk seller. You just stopped what? Oh, I've just stopped picking up broken things. Uh, but how else is Jeff going to get the cool weapons he needs? I'll buy them in a store from a guy. I I can't do him like that. <laughs> uh, I think we need to go. I think there's a story important place we should go next if we don't have anywhere else to check out just yet. Let's pause for a moment and okay. consider. What, with all the people just talking about mostly Manatoli and then a few other plot points, there isn't really anything here right now that says, well, Ness and friends... You better go do this next. And again, I think that's on purpose to like create the sense of scale and like the big city experience. Uh, But it the other thing is, I think that the fact that the Runaway Five are here at all is supposed to be the clue of what to go next, where, where to go next. Yeah. And it struck me that. Um, in this era, in 1995, the idea that that band is here, you can see that band again, might have been the enticement of, well, I don't need to, like, do a quest or solve a puzzle or solve a mystery. I need, The thing I need to do is see that band again. <laughs> they Whereas, were so cool think, the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to, like, players of games today... Uh, it might be like, oh, well, that's probably optional. I probably don't need to worry about seeing a blues band play. I better, mm-hmm. like, I might do that later after I've done some of the critical path stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't know it's, you don't know there's like a, a progression of similar events yet. Exactly. So it's like, how am I supposed to know that I'm supposed to do this first before I can progress any other way I need to go see this band? Yeah, Yeah, it kind of feels like you're supposed to go to the Monotoli building because everyone's talking about him. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like anybody in the Monotoli building says, hey, come back after you've seen a rock band. (laughs) Yeah, right. This is the same mode that a lot of the other, like, story integral stuff that's completely missable is. Again, here, we can go to the Monotoli building in a completely optional segment 
and get some information that's helpful down the line and get some exposition, but like it's you could skip this. I've skipped this. Mm-hmm. Going to the Monotoli building? Oh yeah. Or before like I mean, the one time you have to go way later on. I see. You you don't have to go here at this point at all. I guess I couldn't really help going there first, even though I knew that it wasn't the thing I needed to do. Because it feels so natural. Everyone's talking about Monotoli in this town. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's this huge beacon, basically, on the map. This is is where you go next. No. Yeah. It's like the tallest building. You go kind of to the theater next. It turns out when you look at the map from, you know, the full map, that the hospital must be way taller than the Monotoli building because they didn't bother drawing a top for it. Wow. Well, it's the tallest building in Smash Brothers Melee. Okay. <laughs> Which is my only barometer for anything. So, let's go see the Runaway 5. Yeah. We're going to go do that? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's we have go. to let's finish the game. Um here's the the uh, Topola Theater has different music in the lobby to show you that it's a bigger deal than the Chaos Theater. And but here you can just buy tickets for the show, which is cool. Yeah, it's a bigger theater. They're they're not sold out. Yeah. It's I really like the differentiation here between Chaos and Topola Theater because to, uh, Chaos Theater was all about like going in and it's kind of grungier and there's a bunch of people hanging mm. around and you can talk to all of them and they're people that have lives. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But here Topola Theater is so buttoned down and everybody's in an assigned seat and yep. nobody's talking and there's no mm-hmm. flavor in like the lobby at all until yeah. way later. And that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. That it's like this way up more upscale place that's way less uh personal, I guess. Well and the whole of Foreside we've seen to be less personal. The yeah. big city is dehumanizing. The game's making a stance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh you get to listen to the the B side song from the Road five here. <laughs> It's not as good. Well, we're I don't not going to listen to the whole thing. No, I don't. I don't it's like fine. it as much. Um, and then you get to find out that the Runaway Five are in debt again. They somehow owe the theater manager a million dollars. They need to start reading contracts. They're just really bad with money. So okay, let's keep in mind that specific dollar amounts in this game. Of course, they don't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> I have what either thirty thousand or three hundred thousand dollars in my checking account uh, because I beat up so many old people. <laughs> but let's briefly pretend that we're in the real world and ask ourselves: How can a band owe a theater manager a full million dollars? Mm. Didn't they? They kind of explained it back in the previous scenario that they didn't. They say something about the contract itself, like if if they, the contract they had to itself keep having said, shows 
until they made a certain amount of money or something. Was that it? Or else they would have to just keep doing shows. I don't remember until they this. Paid it off. Yeah, this sounds like some really detailed text. It might so be like a how much situation. Yeah, how much would they make on one show, and how many shows did they promise? Like, how much did they promise to bring in? They got to fill so many seats a certain number of times in a row, and they're un- unrealistically ever going to get there. So they mm-hmm. have to try and buy out their contract, and the buyout price is a million dollars. I see. The we'll go talk to the theater manager, get her side of the story. Hmm. Her name and is, according says, to Wikibound, oh, yeah? is Miss Fake. Wow. Hmm. Which is not a name represented in the English version at all. Yeah. Uh, no. It doesn't fit some of the Wait. other naming conventions. Is it oh, just a fake No, name? it is in the English version. Zach. Is it? Huh. How? Yeah. Guess who says the name of the theater manager? I don't know. The Hint Man. <gasps> ah. He strikes again. Wow, he knows everything. Oh, I like that the hintman in this town is just set up in the middle of a park. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, like he couldn't, he, it, there's no way he can get like a proper office. He can't afford rent. No. We're not buying uh, enough hints. Fake will explain, this band owes me a million bucks. If they break their contract, they'll be in deep doo-doo with the police. The police would probably say, hey, you guys, or something like that. <laughs> I love that line. It sounds like a kid wrote it. Yes. And now that we know that the guys need uh, a million dollars, it's like, okay, we have something to do. We need to get a million dollars. You can only get that much if you struck gold in the desert or something. Ah. There is a a lot of like oblique clues, but... I was wondering, what is the critical path with giving food to the miner? Do you have to give the miner food in order to, I don't even know. I believe so. But like, how do they stop you if you don't give them food? I just don't think that the rest of the mine generates until you've given food. Okay. And I'm not sure what the actual mechanism is is to my memory yeah. it's something like you have to have given the food and then left the screen and come back and also have okay. s- talked to miss fake or you done talk to mm. miss fake. or done something in topola theater like there's a couple different flags you have to flag before the mine that we previously went to and was just a tiny hole becomes the thing we're going to talk about in two minutes or right now uh yeah uh, so yeah so there's also people in town that have mentioned the gold mine. So, you know, with that put back in your ear, you can go yeah. back to that mine previously. And where was once a little hole is now a big open pit with a whole bunch of onlookers and a guy mm. with like a ice cream stand uh, hustling. Very good. And, and also the healer guy from the hospital. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's here. This is a big Not- deal, this dig site. And uh, you can go into the gold mine, and that's our next dungeon. Uh, can I do an aside before we start talking about the gold mine? Yeah. Hold on. Hold, wait. Aside before the aside. 
Ryan, do your thing. Me first. and Sarah need to discuss whether an aside is warranted. Okay, let's let's go. It's it's not You're an not aside. Not going to unilaterally declare an aside. There has to be a consensus. Sarah, what's your case for allowing Zach to make an aside? I just want to know what it is. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> it's not uh, even aside's probably not even the correct word. I just want to like form a thesis statement about the next couple things that are going to happen in the video game. I'll allow it. Yeah, into it. So. Foresight is a part of the video game that of this video game that more than any other part of Earthbound is the part of the game where I get to and I end up falling off the game because hmm. it's kind of dense with like dungeons essentially where pretty quickly back to back to back to back we're about to do a whole bunch of dungeons that are compared to a lot of what we did in the game get kind of difficult. And also yeah. can be a little much. Um, not to say it's yeah. bad. I firmly want to put out there that I think everything we're about to talk about in the next um, episodes is like really good. But it can be a little bit of a slump. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at it as I'm playing through it right now, I'm really like enraptured with the way that we're about to go through like four or five dungeons that each use the framework of this game the like systems of this game the systems of a snes rpg to do like radically different things um yeah i think a lot about how other rpgs of this vintage or even a little later accomplish this same level of differentiation between segments by adding in or like altering existing systems, right? Mm. Uh, something like Give me Super, an example. So like Super Mario RPG is a game where going thing to thing is fun because often it's punctuated with like a mini game. Mm. You know, okay. like a lot of games would make things interesting by adding in extras on top of everything. So it's like, oh, I did my little dungeon segment and my reward is I get a bonus game or I get this little vignette, or whatever. Um, Earthbound is a video game that doesn't have any extras in the same way and still has to find ways to express itself with a single set of, like, actions, a single set of systems to accomplish, or to give the impression of, like, different experiences. And this section we're about to go through is really strong with that, Mm -hmm. where... We're about to get, like, four basically completely different kinds of dungeon experiences. And uh, playing the section again, I was really like, man, this is good stuff. (laughs) So. You're absolutely right. That's a very on-point thing to say. And I would like to add to that or also consider that so far in this game, there has been very little differentiation between dungeons. They kind of all boil down to... A single path with a little, a couple little like offshoots where you can get an item. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some and, of that in the segment, but there's also other stuff. Yeah. Well, this this one right here is like, if you thought we didn't know how to do dungeons, <laughs> get the heck ready because this is a dungeon dungeon. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is the authentic. The the the. What's the word? This is some Dragon Quest nonsense. <laughs> yes. 
Right down to the person at the entrance telling you exactly what's wrong and what the who the enemy is at the end and that they need your help to defeat them. <laughs> yes. But it's not the enemy at the end, which is mm. really cool, I yes. think. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The guy says, there's a bunch of moles. <laughs> like, I, I started digging and there were a bunch of moles <laughs> and I can't get any further. And so it's like... Did he he stumbled upon an existing cave, right? It's not like yeah. he dug yeah. all this out and then okay. It must be a mole he, uh, the mole's house, the mole home. He found the mole's dungeon. Mm. Unluckily. Maybe I found those, a maze, he says. Okay. Are all those presents just like they're they're storing their items in their little tunnels? Yeah, probably. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. And the mice live there too. Sorry, I'm getting ahead again. Exit mice are there. <laughs> um, when you look at the the map, because now we're referring to this big um, map of the game uh, that's like the internal map, how, how everything is stored in the game. Um, these mines take up a, a pretty sizable chunk of the the overall percentage you know of the game hmm. uh, th th there's a lot of space devoted to these mines whereas like your sanctuary dungeons might turn out to be like a quarter of this size it's pretty wild yeah it's a maze and it's amazing <laughs> there's Lots of snakes and giant ants. I mean, gigantic ants. Mm -hmm. And there's mad ducks. Cool. For some reason. And they hang out with... And now... Yes? They, they hang, hang out, out with, with... Noosemen. Noosemen. Why did they translate this as Noosman? That's like one of the weirdest enemies. It's so... Oddly I don't violent. really think the translation is what. Well, there. I, I looked it up because I thought this is like kind of oh. off tone, and there, the the internet told me it was rope man in Japanese. So okay, it but looks they like a are little drawn rope. as nooses. Yeah, you don't think they're drawn as nooses? Well, it's just such a small loop. Um, the, it, it kind of makes sense that there would be noose. ropes in a mining area, like. I think that makes sense, sort of, in the I'm... Earthbound enemy kind of way. Noosman is actually an <laughs> Earthbound Zero uh, original as well. Wow. Ah, okay. It's just so well, odd to me. Now, if you were worried that Googling the phrase Noosman would be really upsetting, uh, all these stock photos are, you know, uh, pretty lighthearted in tone, hmm. despite what they depict. So don't worry about it. Also, these guys are really cute. They got cute little shoes and innocent little faces. <laughs> and they are, uh, they can be very annoying. Yeah. And they seem to spawn in two large of groups. I'm like, why do you need to yeah. fight me with four noosemen? There's like a coin That's flip if you're going to get four noosemen and one mad duck or one mad duck and four noosemen, uh, basically. I like that there's one little part of the cave where there's an ant standing on a platform that can't get down. It's just standing up there. <laughs> That's a good... Uh, there's several places in these games where they decide to have monsters spawn where you can't possibly fight them. 
And I like those yeah. a lot. Such a relief. Like the Mad Duck in Saturn Rally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like a pet. Yeah. <laughs> Not a threat at all. You know that um, empty stretch of highway that I was so obsessed with in an earlier episode? Yeah, the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we approached the desert. Uh, sometimes... Uh, like new age retro hippies can spawn on the ledge overlooking that. And it wasn't until I looked at this spawn map that I realized that that's because it's right adjacent to Tucson. It's like a continuation of the Tucson map with a different palette. And so I'm pretty sure it must be leftover new age retro hippie spawns that they didn't decide to get rid of that are like overflowing out of Tucson onto this map or something. So I like that. Cool. The main attraction in the mole maze is the five moles. They're not just hanging out at the backmost part of the dungeon. You have to look around the dungeon in five, the five mole layers. They are not easy to find. Like it's, it's really difficult. Even if you're an experienced earthbounder to keep track of where you are in these caves, Mm -hmm. because they all look the same. Uh, except that when you notice bones and skulls on the floor, you can take that as a sign that you're getting close to the lair of a giant mole. There are five in all. Mm-hmm. And each one uh-huh. claims yes. that they are the third strongest mole in the caves. Oh, that's what it means. Uh, it's It's very good. You, you I, love that the they, first... I love that they lean so hard on it that in the background, it says number three in the yes. background of the fight. It's a very And I tried to get the background trait. of the podcast website to animate in that way, <laughs> but it was beyond my powers. Uh, I mean, I guess it's playing with expectations, right? Because you could fight any of these first and it'll be like, oh, I ran into the third strongest yeah. first. And then you fight another and it's like, actually, I'm the third strongest. And so on and so forth. Um, yeah. It's it's almost like an outline of a bigger puzzle that doesn't exist too. Yeah. Hmm. As if like, oh, I needed to have fought them in the right order and I didn't fight them in the yeah. right order. Or it seems like if you're smart enough, you should be able to, after it's all done, be like, okay, I can puzzle out which one really was the third strongest. Or there's some like semantic gymnastics you can do to prove that at each time that one was really the third strongest because of uh, which i guess is possible if there are two other moles somewhere but they say that there's five so no it just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. yeah it when you fight the first one you think oh man there's two harder ones somewhere and then they just (laughs) Pull something. They just it's, tricked you. It is stupid. It's, it's fantastic. Great. And mm-hmm. it's they could have been like, I'm the strongest one. I'm the strongest one. Yeah. But no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's that they deliberately chose it to be like, I am the most average one. And like they're having this <laughs> this this like cold war of declaring each of them the, the most average um is just so smart. Yeah. But then the last one says, 
as he reveals that he's really the third strongest, he says, now you see the true advantage of being third. <laughs> like there really is some sort of edge you get by being worse than the top two. Um, I don't know. It's it, every angle of it is fantastic. I love this joke. Yeah. And that's why when Zach suggested the title third strongest podcast, I was kind of like, well, there's no other argument about what to call this podcast. Mm-hmm. I forget if that's exactly what I said, but in retrospect, what were the other ideas? They were stupid. They weren't stupid. They just weren't as good. They were just... We, the, trying to think. I think I pitched Complete Guide to Eagleland. Mm-hmm. Not good. Uh, we wanted to do Stoic Club at some point. After an area oh. that we'll get to later. Mm. And then I decided that Stoic Club would be the dedicated segment on the episode where I get too analytical and philosophical. But we decided not to do that <laughs> on the podcast. There's still time. The moles aren't too tough. They have been very tough for me in the past. It's easy, I would say, to be underleveled for these moles or not to know how to handle them. Mm. It turns out that like a freeze beta followed by a freeze alpha is usually enough to take them down. Yeah, and they've got power but, shields, so you kind of want to rely on the... I almost said magic, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try and do this all in one go, it can be uh, difficult just because of resources. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, you know, because it's a much more labyrinthine labyrinth than we're mm-hmm. used to in this video game. Yeah, even with all the presents, there's it's hard to get more PP. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, Exit Mouse is here. Thank Exit Mouse is here almost as a trap. Or, yeah, I, I might say as a trap. Hmm. Because when you use Exit Mouse to escape from this dungeon... You miss out on finding your way out of the dungeon and learning the map better. And then when you come back in, you're like, okay, where's the other three moles? Mm. I have no idea because I don't know what the layout is at all. If you refuse to use that those exit mice, um, then it's easier to keep track of the whole place. Although you do have to fight more guys on your way out. Also, well, it's good to have the option. Yeah. Yes, it is. It really is. I also didn't have Exit Mouse because Exit Mouse is with Tracy. Uh-huh. Uh, so what? I don't get to get another Exit Mouse until I pick it up out of storage. Whoopsie to you. Yeah. I also still have the jar of fly honey, which is really funny at this point. <laughs> I'm like, why am I clogging up my inventory so bad? You might need that. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true, but maybe. Why doesn't it use up the jar of fly honey yeah. when you use it on Master Belch in the spot where you have to use it on Master Belch? Yeah, you're going to pick that up again after that fight? Weird oversight. (laughs) Indeed. It becomes a bottle that you can then store fairies in. (laughs) I mean, the cool thing would be if you could reuse it later on when it makes sense to use it later on, but I'm pretty sure they did not account for that possibility. Anyway. Yes, after a, a lot of tough fighting nooses you defeat all five moles and then the coolest thing happens the music in the dungeon changes from dungeon music to desert music 
and the dungeon has become just a normal hole in the desert. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice because if you lost count of moles, now you know you yeah. got the last one. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a nice kindness. You can go back to the surface and uh, this is George, right? No, this is Gerardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerardo Montague is like, thanks for doing that. We're going to hit gold. And we're going to strike it big time. It's all going to be great. And like seemingly that's it. You get nothing. Nothing. Yay. <laughs> Except you, then if you... Oh, you, get a, you get your photo taken. That's true. Oh, yeah. And you think, I guess this was all a side quest. Mm-hmm. Until... On your now, way... Now, I was walking okay. on the bridge, but the same thing happens if you take the bus back to Foresight, right? Yeah. Correct. It's very strange if you're on the bus. The bus decides to stop on its way back to Foreside because there's a bulldozer coming up behind it, <laughs> which is odd. But uh, that is uh, somebody coming to give you a reward for the mine, finally. The other Montague brother. George. Says, we, uh, we have not found any gold. All we found was this stupid diamond. So you can have this, I guess. Bye. He also mentions he's going to the other mine, which is like a really funny thing to think about. This is like a uh, list of implied locations. Uh, the Montague's other mine. Hmm. Check back with my ROM hack where I put in another <laughs> mole cave. Works for me. Yeah. Uh, he, did, he gives you a diamond? Oh, okay. Neat. It's, must be perfect. It's pretty generous. And it might be worth a million dollars. I forget who says this, a diamond worth a million dollars. Because I tried looking at it in the inventory, and it just says a big, beautiful, and expensive-looking gem. Yeah, it's not a wad of cash that says it's exactly the amount you need. You have to figure it out yeah. yourself. Uh, but I know what to do with it. I'm going to take it back to that evil Miss Fake. And uh, I'm going to give her the diamond. And she rips up the contract. And she... Now, this is interesting. She says, you should thank me. That diamond is worth maybe, maybe $50. <laughs> so I gave you a bargain. The thing is, I was expecting that line, and somehow I missed it when I was playing the game, but I don't know how that's possible. Hmm. Maybe a bird flew past the window. Probably. Yeah. But uh, that means that the Runaway Five are free. Their contract is voided. Uh, I mean, ripped up. The other thing is, this is dumb, but... When the Runaway Five come in to find out that they've been freed, you hear the the door sound effect five times for each of them walking into the room really fast. So imagine, because you, hmm. you can't see the door from this angle, but <laughs> imagine five blues players each running in, slamming the door behind them so <laughs> the next guy can open the door and slam the door behind him. I did not think of that. And then... Uh, I, I'm not sure they did either. <laughs> I like it. But the 
before we can actually like before the runaway five can actually leave they need to play one last show of course mm-hmm. obviously and so we get to see another show by the runaway five and it's is it another track no it's the a-side <laughs> okay. it's the original okay. track mm-hmm. the better song and it's not different music, but we can see from the the screen that a special guest is being featured. Some blonde in a long black dress with huge soulful eyes and pouty red lips. Yeah. If they you've been a, talking to everybody, s- you probably know Did they actually who this say is. that? Um, uh, yeah. I'm trying to, like, do they say, wow, the Runaway 5 will now perform with Venus? Not here. She just appears. Okay. But Sarah's Uh, right. If you try to go in the backstage room, the guy will be like, "Uh, oh, you're a friend of the Runaway 5? Well, then you can come in and see Miss Venus. Mm. No problem. Here's something interesting in the text dump. When you talk to Venus now, she says, oh, you're just a little kid. I'm too busy right now to give you my autograph. Maybe next time, little man. And then the text dump adds, girl, in case you happen to see this when Paula is leading the party because Ness is dead. Hmm. Good implementation. She's equally rude to everybody. Yeah. Is this based on anyone in particular? No. We have to go back for a second, though, because we have to mention that what? Uh, oh. at the end of the show, <laughs> yeah. uh, they drive the bus on the stage. Oh, yeah. That was unexpected. Right. And then they take the bus and they leave, never to be seen again, maybe. Probably. Right? How many more theaters can they get stuck in? Yeah. What, are they going to be a billion dollars in debt next? <laughs> <laughs> If you go exit afterwards, there's a guy in the lobby talking about how oh, he yes. missed the show because he was in the bathroom and now he'll hate bathrooms for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. Pretty That's good. That's the kind of humanizing detail that there would be 12 of in a small town. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So now that I've beaten the Runaway 5, what am I going to what am I supposed to do in this game now? Did I just solve Foreside? Yeah. Okay. It's time to go shopping. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, uh, some people will tell you that like the next thing, <laughs> the, the people who were talking about how the Runaway Five are in town are now talking about how the department store is finally open. When we tried to go to the department store earlier, it said that it was temporarily closed. Guar. Didn't they? Is that just like the local accent? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm right that the the sign like y- growls at you, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I can't find it in the text dump, but sure. It's because it's spelled like and three different ways. Yeah. Good luck finding. I'm guar. searching the text dump for department store. Actually. Oh, that's smarter <laughs> than searching it for guar. <laughs> I'm very smart. The uh, but then also you get the the secret happening significance noise it's like you better come back to this 
place later. And now it is time to go in. Oh, it temporarily closed. Dot, 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 guarg. Mm-hmm. So now I go in the department store and it doesn't seem that creepy. Although there is a mouse who has a, an intuition that the lights will go out. Mm. The mice in this game are very wise. Mm. That's a good point. I, I wonder why really this a is a mouse, mouse a and dummy. not a human doing this. Yeah, gosh. That's a really good point. Every every mouse who's not like trying to kill you has like something useful or like helpful to say. Yeah. Wow. They're going to give you their son or they thank you for talking to a mouse. <laughs> There's naturally insightful creatures yeah, apparently. Yeah. They're they're observant, intuitive. Game is very pro mouse. Yeah, it is. I appreciate that. <laughs> you can buy tickets for the Topola here, mm. which cool. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger mall department store than in Tucson, because yeah. it's of course it is. Yeah, there's a oh, there's a condiment stand. Mm. This is where you can buy condiments. It's very inconvenient that you don't get to use this department store until you do a bunch of other quests particularly the mole cave like having the main store of the biggest town be locked until yeah. you beat that dungeon they're gating off all mean. these good weapons and equipment yeah there's a guy that you get to go into like supply rooms of mm. the mall i think that's so cool yeah and one of them has the arms dealer who can sell jeff a better <laughs> weapon he can sell jeff the hyper beam Jeff doesn't even have to go beat Mother Brain for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and super bombs, right? I think that's yeah, right. That's the good stuff. I grabbed at least one super bomb and I grabbed at least one big bottle rocket for Jeff, thinking that I might need to take out a big enemy fast. Don't know why you would think Possibly. that in the middle of this department store. I I guess it's just a podcast host sixth sense. Yeah. <laughs> There are some cool kids. There's uh, one guy who uh, asks, he, like, his goal is to uh, work for Ape as a programmer when he oh, were, yeah. wakes up, wakes up, when he grows up. Uh, do you have any connections with those guys? N- no matter whether you say yes or no, he says, oh, you didn't have to answer. It was dumb of me to ask you that question. Somewhat insulting. Kind of, yeah. And uh, one of the, like big bald guys with sunglasses and a big suit says everything's so expensive should i return to my hometown so there's your humanizing detail Mm, yeah timeless then i go uh at the very top of the department store is an office and you just get to be in somebody's office at the top of, like, the department store CEO or wh- whatever. Who runs the department store? Mr. Departmento? Uh, Craig Ferguson. Yeah. it's There's nobody there. That's really cool. You just, just an walk empty right room. in. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I guess I shopped at the department store. And you take all the escalators all the way back down to the ground floor so you can leave. And then the lights go out. And then... 
a weird alien steals Paula. The alien gets all the way to the top and then gets on the loudspeaker to taunt you. That's right. <laughs> Which is fantastic. <laughs> Has anybody else? Oh, go ahead, sir. It's just, it's so shocking. Even though you had that, like, foreshadowing of the lights might go out, you're like, whatever. And then, yeah, when this happens, it's so fast. The lights go out and then a weird alien thing comes running by. It's like a really surprising moment. The effect of the lights going out is very well executed because they flicker on and off for a while. And the other NPCs don't, like, immediately disappear. They're kind of there for a while and then... Like, the whole thing is staged expertly, I think. I can imagine them running, like, 10 or 20 versions of this scene and saying, no, that doesn't, that's not as shocking as this. This is too slow. This is too fast. Yeah. It turned out And Did anyone else, has anyone else on this podcast who's played this Mm. video game, Mm. uh, walked in and accidentally immediately walked out triggering this? No. I didn't know you could do that. Because that has happened to me before. Uh, you walk in just a little too far to the left and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I should probably go back. And then you walk too far back and then I didn't buy anything and now I'm in it. Oh, man. Did I not happen like to me this that time. that did happen to me, even though I was really thinking, how can that happen? You don't trigger this unless you walk all the way up to the top floor. No, so, it's not all the way to the top done. floor. It's just past a certain threshold. Yeah, I think that. it's it's right to the right of the ATM and the phone so that mm. you can still save right before you hit that, <laughs> yeah. that event. Here's the thing about the department store. You can't leave. When this happens, this is a pro player's tip. You need to be prepared to do this whole department store right away because if you leave to go to the hospital or hotel or whatever, and then you come back, there will be a bunch of enemy spawns in the ground floor. And the enemies in here are too hard. They are mean. And you've lost your strongest party member. So you need to get out of here as fast as possible. And that means as soon as Paula gets kidnapped, run right up the escalator run right to the next escalator and do not, you know, look around stupidly. Oh, I wonder if there's any cool stuff I can loot from this department store while the power is out. No, <laughs> there's not. There's not. Don't do it. Get straight to the office as fast as you can. And of course, the th- this means that the only really dangerous part is crossing the toy display on the top floor. And of course, that's where Jeff got knocked out. For Ooh. me this time uh, around. Yeah, bad on, scene. On mine, my plan Ness for got the out. boss. Oh, that's even worse. Uh, yeah. Well, is it even worse? The thing is, Jeff can't. Ness has the life up, but I feel like if Jeff is able to use one or two big bottle rockets on the boss, then it goes away. Am I right about that? Depends on your role. Yeah. Because those have a yeah. pretty wide uh, damage roll. The enemies are scalding cups of coffee and mystical records. You know, vinyl records that are dancing around and charging at you. (laughs) Two things that, like, in the canon of monsters that are animated objects, 
I think these would not be the toughest ones. A cup of coffee. I guess the coffee inside being animate, that's pretty scary. But it's, the mug seems like it should be easy to smash. It's scalding, though. And it can yeah, hit both of scary. you. That's bad. Yes. It's... The records should be more brittle. But yeah. they're not. But they're, they're probably... Bad. They can probably slice you. Ah! This also, there's whole place like sucks. Electric guitar thing. Oh, I forgot all about the Mus- electric Musica. guitar. Yeah. This also is why See, I, I gave Jeff yeah. the Franklin badge before I did any mm, of this. Yeah. Mm. Now, yeah, I was I was trying to carefully consider who to give what inventory items because I'm like I'm only going to give Paula stuff that I don't want to worry about until I get her back. But then I also want to make sure that Ness and Jeff have all the stuff they're going to need. And I was I, I couldn't remember whether I would need the Franklin badge. It turns out I didn't need the Franklin badge because mm. I didn't run into any guitars. Thank goodness. But yeah, I couldn't remember whether <laughs> I was going to run into lightning users. And so I guess touching back, this represents yeah. a type of dungeon that's oh, sure. a little more similar to what we've seen before, but even more streamlined, where it's just a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no branching paths that matter, and we know that because we were here already. Uh, there's no items. It's just get to the end and beat the bad guy. Yep. Yeah, it's nice that you know the layout, at least. You know not to go in those other little rooms, probably. Hopefully, if you're smart. Yeah. And again, it's fun that, like, the game is trying to come up with every possible environment a modern day RPG could take place in. It's like mall. Yeah. And it's smart in particular, a mall that you get to experience as a working mall first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, like the mall that's been abandoned for years, that's also a good, uh, adventure location, but it's not as interesting from a gameplay standpoint to, uh, have a environment and then recontextualize that environment. Yeah, I like how when you go outside the toy store, the lights are out and all the toys are like lined up there. It's so much creepier in the dark. <laughs> and at the top of the mall, in that office that was empty before, this bizarre alien is sitting behind a desk. What an amazing visual. And you talk to it and it's like, uh what does it say it's it says it's working for we all know it's what the main thing it says wah wah you finally made it this department store is going to be your grave you will be gone and you'll be burning in well you'll go to heaven ah best fantastic and then you fight this guy and it's really tough especially if one of your party members has fainted um, I forgot to say, we when we were talking about the insignificant item on the previous episode, and I said I hadn't bothered to um, get the insignificant item, I did when I was in the middle of this, I think I wanted to check what was going on in, at, with if Liar Exaggerate said anything new about the Mani Mani statue, or I was, huh. I feel like I had a different reason, but maybe I just 
decided to get the insignificant item and deliver that so I could have the magic truffle. And so Ness had the magic truffle and he needed it because Mm -hmm. trying to keep himself alive while also trying to deal damage to the department store spook while Jeff lay there useless beside him. uh, It was really tough this time around. But I made it thanks to that magic truffle. Thanks, magic truffle. Thanks, insignificant item. (laughs) Yeah, this is a really, like, emotionally difficult time in the game. And just hard. The, it's like a cliche that we in 2023 are obligated to frown on that Paula, the girl, gets kidnapped and has to be rescued twice. Mm -hmm. But imagine if Jeff had got kidnapped in this part. You wouldn't care nearly as much. He's not as interesting a character and he's not as useful to have around. Mm -hmm. Paula getting kidnapped here hurts and not having access to her for a bunch of the game now will be like it will stick with you in a way that missing Jeff probably wouldn't. But what if they got rid of Ness for this part? Whoa. That'd be cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ness and Paula are kind of interchangeable in a way. Like they're both really important to this whole story. They both have a lot of abilities. Yeah. That that you need. Ness, I feel like possibly, I I was thinking like story-wise that Ness would be more interesting than Paula, but mechanically not having life up would be possibly super debilitating. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Anyway, when you beat the department store spook, uh, he says, even though you could beat me, Master Gygus will avenge me. At this moment, Paula should be Manotoli Gwarg. And then he disappears. He dies. So you don't even get her back. Rip. That's the cool part. Is that you solve this dungeon that where you're trying to get Paula back and you don't get her back. Yeah. It's devastating. Well, what are we going to do? Go get our photo taken outside the toy store.